Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Bali. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how are you? I am pretty well, pretty well. A little chilly, but otherwise doing okay. It's been an abrupt change in temperature, and I'm not quite acclimated yet. But, you know, it's, it's similar complaint to every year when the seasons change. But otherwise doing well, getting ready to head off to jolly old England in a couple of days. Yeah, we're sending you over over there for our AmiaCon, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good so time. Our, our should, producer, should. Andrea, is going to, I'm staying here. Okay, you sure guys, someone has to hold down the fort. Yeah, making so. sure nothing bad happens. Well, yeah, the only thing is the potential for a government shutdown next, you know, next week during the conference um, here in the U.S. might mess up TSA and air traffic control staffing. I thought I saw that they at least had a stopgap now through November. Oh, I hope so. I hope. Yeah, we, yeah that's good. Because I don't want to have to have I don't think there'll be any problem um, getting there. But getting back is going to be an issue if that's the case. So good. I'm glad you read a headline I didn't read today. Well, I was instrumental in that. I mean, that was one of the things that I'm doing, staying here, you know, on the home office. Making sure <laughs> things are smooth for you. I, you know, got yes. Chuck on the phone and said, hey, yeah. we need just a few more weeks. Yeah, get these people to get their act together. Uh, yeah, uh, good. I'm glad you're in charge. Yeah, we need yeah. we need somebody in charge. That's for sure. I'm not sure if it should be me, but uh, here I we don't are. Know. Good, 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 good. Well, one so, of the things that you're going to be talking about at AmiaCon is cybersecurity, and that's what we want to talk about today. We just released our new State of Cybersecurity report. It is State of Cybersecurity 2024. Since we're looking forward at the trends that we expect to see over the next 12 months. And uh, I think it was pretty interesting to see where people are in their cybersecurity journeys, what they're thinking about. I mean, I'd say in large part, it's a continued evolution of what we've been seeing over the past few years. But as always, we broke it down into four different areas. And I, and I think more so than ever before this year, those four areas really break down into two different camps, the strategic and the tactical. You know, I think mm -hmm. companies are having to be much more strategic with their cybersecurity, just like they're having to be more strategic with their technology. It's not just a thing of just the tactics, you know, just locking the doors and keeping all the bad guys out. There's right. a lot of strategy that goes into it um, from the objectives that people are thinking about for their organization to the, the types of decisions that they're making. Uh, and then there's the tactical side of things that gets into the skills and the products that, that people are using. So, I think those two areas are really starting to emerge. And mm -hmm. that probably describes some of the difficulty that companies are having. I, I think we've talked about the difficulty that they're having uh, just being strategic with their technology. Right. Uh, so then trying to be strategic with cybersecurity is kind of a step beyond that. Yeah. Um, you, you say they, they're definitely having some challenges and they're definitely thinking more strategically, which is good. The one thing that stood out for me at a high level is how many more of our, of our respondents this year thought they're doing much better with their cybersecurity. So either people are just feeling more confident for whatever reason, or there's some real there there. Uh, and they do feel like they're at least um, talking about cybersecurity maybe in a more um, with a level of gravitas that they maybe had not been in the past. So they feel like they're doing a better job. But, I, you know, I'd be open to your interpretation here. But I, I took that as a good sign that at least that maybe means people are paying better attention and the right kind of attention 
to what they need. As you said, it's not just about locking the doors and putting the fences up. It's more, it's it's far more in, in reading your report, it's far more complicated than that and much more sophisticated in the approach. And the number of people that need to be involved are far beyond the IT folks. I mean, clearly they are at the epicenter of, of the strategy and they know the most, um, but it really is kind of an all team effort when it comes to cybersecurity. And that's, I think the other big takeaway, and maybe that's a maturation. We're seeing people growing up a little bit um, about this discipline, which is good. Yeah, I, I think we'll touch on a lot of that as we go through the discussion here. But I, I think probably, you know, you, you kind of questioned, are they just talking more about cybersecurity? Or are they yeah. talking about the right things? I would say it's probably largely that they're, they're just talking more about it. It's more front and center. They're more aware of it. Uh, and I think they're still building towards all the right ways to handle it, especially in you know this modern era with cloud computing, with mobile devices, now with AI. Uh, there, there's a lot of things changing that approach to cybersecurity. Uh, and, and previously, a lot of companies just didn't talk about it very much at all. It was kind of an offshoot of handling the IT, handling the infrastructure. If nothing bad happened, then you just assumed that your cybersecurity approach was sufficient. Yeah. Uh, and I think companies are recognizing that they have to talk about it a lot more. And then the next step will be getting into the right things that they need to talk about. Yeah. Well, why don't we, do we want to walk through some of our, our four Ps, the bucket areas here a little bit? Yeah, that's probably a good way to do it. Um, okay. So yeah, we've had these four areas for a few years now. Yeah. Um, and again, I think this year I could really see how it breaks down into the strategic versus the tactical, but the strategic side of things starts from the very top. This is a very top-down approach. And so we start with policy, by which we mean the mindset of the organization, you know, yeah. like what... What, what are people thinking, the leaders thinking that they want to do with cybersecurity, not necessarily the policies that they would write down, but like what is the, the organizational culture and mindset around cybersecurity? And I think over the next 12 months, we're going to see that that mindset really involves doing a lot of risk analysis and risk mm -hmm. management as a way of defining the investment in cybersecurity and as a way of kind of quantifying cybersecurity initiatives. Yeah, I, I like this section on risk management. Um, it seems to make the most sense to me to how you approach cybersecurity, because as we've learned and know, um, this isn't a puzzle to be solved. You can't get to 100% with cybersecurity. You're never going to be there, there all the way. Um, so companies have to do a level of you know, risk analysis and then learn how to manage that risk in order to say, you know, this is the amount that we're willing to um, to risk and this is what we won't and then build their strategy around that. And I think that's really the only way to go about it, because, again, you can never because the depth and breadth of the type of potential attacks and vulnerabilities and, and everything else out there are never going to go away. It's like, a, you know, you're just chasing it all the time. So better approaches to figure out, okay, what can we handle? What can't we handle? And how do we mitigate whatever, we're, what risk we're willing to take? How do we mitigate it if it goes wrong? Um, and I, I think that, that um, seeing that from companies is again, back to my point about it, seeing a, a little bit more of a level of maturity in the approach here. And it's interesting because I think it's going to be very unique depending on the type of company they are, how they approach this risk assessment, though. Um, you know, whether you're, you know, an institution like a, in banking or finance that has a lot of uh, rules already written in and compliance issues and, and regulations that you have to follow are really going to um, dictate strongly what your level of risk uh, is going to be. 
and how much you're going to invest in cybersecurity protections, et cetera, uh, versus a, another company that may take a, a little more loosey-goosey approach. Um, not necessarily a smart thing. I think there's a lot of companies out there who may think that they don't need as much or that their risk isn't as high. And that's them not doing their homework very well because they're not really assessing what that might actually mean to them if they are breached in some way. So um, I thought this section was pretty fascinating in the report, and I think it's important. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this develops. Another split that we see when it comes to risk management from one company to another is when we're looking at company size, we see a lot of medium-sized companies say that they're following some kind of formal risk management framework. And then we see a drop when we move to the larger companies. And I think the reason for that is when we move to larger companies in our survey, we're starting to pick up more business respondents. And those business respondents in a larger company are going to have a little bit more distance from the technology team. So yeah. we're probably getting some business respondents that kind of don't know if the company follows a formal framework or not. And I think that that's some insight into the need to make sure that everyone is on the same page and, and that th these discussions really do include everyone at the organization. It's not just the cybersecurity team driving these things. And then you've got people in a business unit kind of wondering why they have to do the things that they have to do. Yeah. Uh, and we, we can see when we ask which individuals at your company are, are involved in risk discussions we do see the CEO pretty near the top, which I think is encouraging because a lot of this is around decision-making. And so it's ultimately about the success and the health of the business. But after the CEO, we do see a little bit more of a drop in other business executives or other yeah. business departments. Uh, and, and so I think we're gonna need to see them get a little bit more involved because the other thing that you alluded to is that these risk discussions really begin to reach into every part of the organization. It's yeah. not just the technology stuff. And I think that that leads into the process uh, side of the equation, the second big pillar that we look at with cybersecurity. And that is that, you know, as, as cybersecurity processes start getting built out and uh, implemented, they're going to impact business decisions in a lot of other areas. So you can imagine something like social media behavior uh, yeah. that, that could lead to social engineering, that could lead to a larger breach. That's not really technology that the company owns, but the cybersecurity team is probably going to have some guidance around the type of behavior that you should have on social media. Or you could look at like employee exit procedures, which is typically an HR function, but especially in this era of uh, remote work, there's a little bit less oversight when somebody leaves the company. And so is the, are the assets getting returned correctly? Is access getting shut off correctly? There's a whole checklist of things that have to happen. Uh, and the cybersecurity team can kind of provide guidance uh, in those things. And ultimately it will be the HR function that's implementing that employee exit procedure. So cybersecurity and the processes that get built uh, kind of in line with a risk management discussion are going to start driving a lot of decisions around the organization. Yeah, and as we've been talking about for you know years now, um, the the increasing trend of line of business um, business folks within an organization having their own tech budget and making tech decisions, and, and oftentimes not consulting with the IT department necessarily. Um, that is something that needs to have a process around it when it comes to cybersecurity. You know, there may be people that are in, you know, in the VP of marketing that's deciding a great application for his department would help them with, you know, run campaigns better, yada, 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 all the great things for business. 
but gives no consideration whether or not that application is secure, where it's going to reside and how it's going to connect to other things and what all the implications are for that, who has user access to it, et cetera. Um, and, and those are the types of things when we talk about, um, you know, process have to be ironed out ahead of time um, so that they don't go awry. Yeah, and it, it really just drives a lot more collaboration, right? It, it makes sure that like, yeah. even if that business unit, that head of marketing is ultimately the decision maker around procuring a new application, they're not doing that in a vacuum. They're making sure that they're involving the technology team for integration or the cybersecurity team for security uh, to make sure that everything's going to fit together and work together and be secure together. Uh, so, so I think there is a lot more collaboration happening. I, I don't think that everything is happening in a silo nearly as much anymore. And, and that's a good thing. It's funny how so much of this comes back to having good, durable, soft skills within your organization, because a lot of this comes down to basic good communication within an organization and good collaboration across departments, um, which I think every company could say they could do a little bit better. Uh, and with cybersecurity, it's so, so critical um, that people get on the ball with that. Yeah. 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 The last thing that I'll say about process that kind of brings this whole strategic part full circle is a lot of these processes would fall under the umbrella of zero trust. And there aren't as many companies that kind of recognize or are aware that they are trying to implement a zero trust framework across all of their cybersecurity. But there are a lot of companies that are implementing individual practices that would be labeled as zero trust. And what a lot of companies are finding is that as they're going down this zero trust pathway uh, and trying to implement a lot more controls rather than just trusting a user access or trusting data that's coming from somewhere, all of that gets a little bit more expensive. And as things are getting more expensive, then to your point, there has to be good risk analysis on that to understand the right level of investment. So these two things, I think, go really hand in hand. They do. They do. So you mentioned skills uh, yes. and that leads into the next area, which I think for me starts with my favorite data point from the study. For years, we've asked people, what's the biggest challenge that you encounter when you're trying to implement cybersecurity? And the biggest challenge has been that there's this belief in the company that cybersecurity is quote unquote good enough. Um, mm. Without really knowing what that means, it probably means, hey, we haven't been breached in a while or... I don't feel like we have to spend any more on cybersecurity and there's not like a lot of hard data there. And that's still a pretty prominent reason. It's number two on the list, but there's a new number one. Uh, the new number one challenge to implementing cybersecurity is the level of skill uh, across the organization. And I'm sure most people are thinking primarily about their technical team when they're answering that question. But I do think it also applies to um, business unit individuals as well. Uh, and just the level of awareness that they have to have for cybersecurity. So pretty interesting to see skill gaps jump to the top there. Uh, that's obviously been something that we've been watching for a long time now. Uh, and I think there are going to be major implications around how companies start building out their pipeline of cybersecurity talent so that they can have resilience in their skills uh, moving forward. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And I, I, I think um, that's, you know, partly, um, you know, part of the reason that the skills are becoming so much more important is the complexity of environments, obviously, is so much more important. And the technologies that we use are more complex, uh, but also the types of um, 
the types of attacks are growing much more complicated as well. So it becomes a, a situation where not only do the, the technology people at your company, the IT folks, the cybersecurity experts have to be on the top of their game. But as you said, the users themselves, your business people, your regular staff, they all have to have at least some level of, um, of knowledge and understanding that helps prevent um, a potential um, potential security uh, situation as well. Um, so it's kind of like this skills thing that has to umbrella the entire organization at some level. You want your security people in the, on the tech team to be the best of the best, and then you need to have everybody else not be completely at ground, you know, zero level of skill. Um, so, you know, I thought that was particularly interesting. Um, I still think you might go to a lot of smaller companies and find out that for them, good enough is good enough. Um, and unfortunately, there's probably the most vulnerable if a breach happens to them because they don't have the financial resources that a larger company has to weather that. Um, but uh, I think this speaks highly to everybody um, who's out there today, potentially looking at a career in, in cybersecurity that, you know, this is a hot area in demand. Um, we talk a lot about skills-based hiring at CompTIA now, and clearly if you've got acumen in the cybersecurity area and have the openness to um, training um, that goes along with getting better at it, um, you're going to be a good candidate for a potential job. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that you might see at small businesses is uh, a, a continued trend towards uh, relatively senior or relatively more experienced cybersecurity professionals. So, you know, historically, cybersecurity professionals have come from an infrastructure team. And as they've been working on that infrastructure team, they eventually just kind of specialize in cybersecurity and they become the cybersecurity person. And they've got quite a bit of experience with infrastructure, with institutional knowledge and all those types of things. And I think that that's kind of carried over into hiring practices. We've typically seen companies looking for cybersecurity professionals in like the five to 10 year experience range. And, and that makes sense because it's a little bit more of an advanced topic, but obviously you're going to run out of those people at some point. So yeah. I think what we're seeing this year is companies starting to think about how do I build the pipeline? And that involves not only opening the doors to a wider range of candidates uh, and looking for college hires or maybe non-college degree individuals that can prove their skills through certifications or some other method. But it also means for those companies that they kind of have to build that role. They have to build a junior role on the team and build a pathway for career advancement. Uh, and, and those experienced cybersecurity professionals, I think, can help with this. But it's, it's a little bit different from the old model of just kind of graduating people from infrastructure into cybersecurity. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. We also didn't mention, you know, the use of um, third parties, you know, you, you know, outsourcing. So some of these activities um, to a channel company, you know, an MSP or uh, or another type of solution provider. Um, and, and as you see in your study, there are companies, plenty of them that do use third parties for some or all of their cybersecurity needs. And um, most of these companies that they outsource to, if they're using them for their general technology needs, should at least expect that those providers have a level of cybersecurity expertise as well, because everything kind of requires a little bit of a blanket around it um, uh, when it comes to cybersecurity, whether or not, whether it's not the actual uh, discipline that you're supposed to be focusing on right there. So um, I think it's important for companies to be vetting those third parties in terms of skills, just as they would potential candidates uh, within their organization or potential new hires that they might be looking to go after. 
Yeah, I, I think there's those two sides of using third parties. You could be using a third party for a very specific piece of your cybersecurity yeah. tactics, right? And say, I need you to cover my cloud security or my data security or whatever it might be. You know, maybe in some cases, you know, that third party is the, the virtual CIO and they have to become the virtual CISO as well. Uh, but, it, you know, at that, at that tactical level, I think there's a lot of... Um, specificity around what companies are looking for. And then the other way of thinking about third parties is as you're thinking about your overall cybersecurity posture and all of the elements that contribute to cybersecurity, you need to be thinking about things like your cloud providers or anyone that's providing you technology services, even if it's not around cybersecurity. Like you said, you've kind of got to be asking those questions and yeah. making sure that from a from an organizational cybersecurity standpoint, you know all the answers to all the questions. And, and some of these third parties might not be directly involved in tactics, but they're still going to be part of that overall fabric. Yeah, you need to vet them. I mean, look at what just happened to the casinos in Vegas, you know, MGM and, and Caesars, both with their ransomware attacks. One of the one of the uh, casinos, I believe that the vulnerability was the they had an outside firm who was running their help desk or doing something and social engineering you know, by the malicious group was the way to get in. Um, and I'm sure that MGM would love to have vetted, you know, and understood that there might have been a weak link in the in that provider that they outsourced to. Granted, that could have happened to an internal person as well. But that's just an example of having to do so much due diligence. It's not an easy task to do. Um, and it's got to be something that you have to do on a, on a perpetual basis with the providers that you work for, just as that you use just as much as your internal employees. It's a tough job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot to think about. And I think that, you know, like we've been talking about, the amount of things that you have to think about here have really just skyrocketed over the past few years. And I think that's one of the, the big challenges for companies is the, the complexity of all of this and trying to make sure that every single one of your bases is covered. Yeah. So the final area then is the products. And we've said, I think, before on this podcast, as we've mentioned in our reports before, this is kind of turning the world on its head, because I think for a long time, this was where people started with cybersecurity was, okay, let's just get the products in here. Let's get in right. the firewall and the antivirus and set it up. And that's our cybersecurity posture. And now product is kind of the last thing that gets thought about um, after you've taken this top-down approach of thinking through your strategy and getting the right skills in place. Uh, one thing that makes it particularly challenging for this year's report having product be the last thing is, this is where we're talking a lot about artificial intelligence. And of course, everyone wants to talk about artificial intelligence first. So we often have to, we're, we're, we're flipping things around a lot when we're talking with people on the outside, but artificial intelligence is definitely the main thing influencing the product set with cybersecurity. Uh, that's kind of influencing everything in technology these days. And there are definitely a lot of companies that have been using AI already, uh, and they see generative AI and some of these newer tools like LLMs being just a step forward in their journey with AI. And then there are other companies that really haven't done much with it, and all the attention is causing them to look at it more. And there are a lot of different areas that people imagine AI could be helpful with cybersecurity in the future from monitoring network behavior to analyzing user patterns and looking for uh, you know, malicious actors that are trying to get in. Uh, so there's a lot of different possibilities out there, but there's definitely some prerequisites that come 
to using AI successfully in your cybersecurity approach? Yeah, AI is going to be interesting in this in this arena for sure. Um, you can see some of the obvious areas. I mean, one of the things that um, that the respondents said they look for when they look for a third party is somebody who understands the threat landscape and and can do that kind of preemptive type of monitoring. And you can see AI being applicable um, in that circumstance, certainly to fill some skills gaps with routine tasks, network monitoring, and that sort of thing. Although, although that makes me think about when you mentioned earlier, just a bit ago, that uh, people need to be thinking about filling the pipelines with junior positions. And I'm wondering if AI is the junior position now and fills those tasks. And so, you know, the hiring just jumps up to a, 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 somebody at, at a more mid-tier level because AI can handle some of the entry level job. But that I think that's something that everyone's kind of turning over in their head with uh, with all technology roles right now is where AI, AI is going to fit in there. Um, but I do think we're at a very we're really at the beginning in terms of where where it's going to be used for a lot of for a lot of companies. Um, I think there's a lot of potential, though, a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of the same caveats with AI apply in cybersecurity that, you know, it relies on data. So your data has to be good if you're going to feed it in and train the systems. Uh, it relies on probabilities. And so those outputs aren't always going to be perfect. And you've got to have, you know, guardrails in place and plan Bs and, and oversight and whatever it is to make sure that some of those, you know, false positives get caught in some way. And I think one sort of unique thing to, to cybersecurity, or at least one thing that's definitely coming out in cybersecurity uh, in this report is... AI is probably not going to be its own product, right? You know, the cybersecurity toolbox is huge. We've got the firewalls and the antivirus that I mentioned before, and now we've got DLP and IAM and SIM and a million other things that, that people have started using. And we see a lot of growing momentum over the past few years. And AI isn't going to be, I think, a new line item, you know, on that list. It's going to be a feature of every single one of those tools. Um, and, and so I think that, well, AI will help a ton with automation and it'll handle a lot of routine tasks. Right now, there's so much expertise needed across that tool set. I think what we're going to see is that all of that expertise needs to add AI to the skill set uh, so that they can continue using those things. And then companies are going to find increased productivity and efficiency as they're uh, directing their skilled professionals to use AI to solve some of their problems. Yeah, I think I think it's, at least initially, I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for people to be guiding AI, you know, and so there may be new job roles in there or there are going to be additional responsibilities for people in existing cybersecurity roles that dovetail with AI. Um, so I, I see it as kind of a um, it's going to keep people busy versus versus the opposite. Um, so that'll be very interesting to see as we go forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. I think that's a quick overview. Um, there's more detail in the report that's available at CompTIA's website. You can find a link in the show notes. And this is the, the first of two episodes that we're gonna have talking about cybersecurity. October, of course, is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So we wanna talk about it as much as possible. Uh, and next time we're gonna have a guest that pays attention to this stuff in the real world rather than just gathering data like we do. And so they can add a lot of flavor to the discussion and, and some of the data that we've collected. Terrific. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'd be good to get somebody who's uh, got some skin in the game and seeing what's going on out there. So 
Tune in next time. Yeah, yeah. I think anyone that like has a steady diet of cybersecurity, you know, media or content in their life will probably recognize this person. So uh, stay tuned and okay. join us back in a couple of weeks. Little cliffhanger there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's it for, for today. Thanks as always to our producer, Andrew McMillan and Carolyn. I'll see you next time with our very special guest. All righty. 